This is Live Limitless episode number five. Welcome to the Live Limitless podcast where we interview normal everyday people who decided to push their limits and live a much more limitless and remarkable life. I am your host, Matthew G. Bailey, international man of curiosity, a writer, lifestyle entrepreneur, and connoisseur of world travel. When the interview's over, please take a moment to visit livelimitless.net. Say hello, I'd love to hear from you. You can also sign up for the newsletter or just look at the information on all the past interviews. All right, now that the intro's over, let's do this. Welcome everyone to uh, episode five of the Live Limitless podcast and video sessions. Uh, it's a special day because not only do we talk with uh, Tyler Tervorn, but you guys get to witness my, uh, my nasty ski burn here. So I actually ran into Tyler a couple of years ago at World Domination Summit. And it's probably been about three years since I first started to, to follow his blog, Advanced Riskology. And uh, I mean, since then, I mean, obviously you've had the, a great blog and a, a great business from that. And you've become a big part of World Domination Summit. And now you have a, a new business called Brew Pony. But I'm just wondering, like, for those who may not know you yet, I'd like to start with Advanced Riskology, since I think this was your first step, right, into like, like the online world? Yep, yep, that's it. So um, why did you start Advanced Riskology? Uh, well, I, there, really, there's two reasons that I started Advanced Riskology. One was because I had nothing else to do because I'd just gotten laid off. Uh, from my uh, <laughs> from the job that I was working at, and um, and then the second reason was because um, I kind of spent. So the the impetus was uh, I needed something to do. I didn't want to go back to uh, the construction industry, which is where I worked before. And so I spent about a month just kind of um, really distilling all of the experiences in my life. Uh, that I thought were important to me, that I thought were worth uh, share, uh, sharing, kind of like trying to figure out like what stories from my life so far have been like uh, valuable and interesting to other people. And um, all of the uh, all the interesting things I felt like kind of circled back to that to that one kind of uh, takeaway was that you know life was better for me when I was taking uh, when I was taking when I was taking risks when I was doing things that were uncomfortable when I was stretching myself a little bit. So I thought uh, to myself, I could probably. Uh, you know that maybe that's what I can, um, maybe that's where I can uh, provide value to people, um, is through these kinds of stories, and that's where psychology came from. Yeah, I definitely think too many of us get too comfortable at times. It's a uh, it's a common it's a common problem even for myself. Like even three years into running advanced psychology, like I still find myself becoming uh, a little bit complacent from time to time and have, yeah. have to be like, yeah, do actively like take charge and do something to change to change things for yeah, sure. Absolutely. So what, what, what were some of the most important things you've learned since, since starting Advanced Viscology? Yeah, um, I think probably the most important thing I've learned is that like, everything is easier and makes more sense like, once you get started. Um, in, any, like, in any project, in anything, like, um, really, until you kind of take the first steps to, to like, actually make it happen, uh, once you, until you put the like, you know, set the uh, set the wheels in motion, you can kind of endlessly think about all of the different variables and all the things that could go wrong and all the things that might go right and like what you'll need to do to like uh, navigate through each and every possible 
thing that could happen. But uh, and it's good to it's good to do like planning for sure. Like it's good to have a to have a plan. But at the same time, um, you don't want to get so far ahead of yourself that you like build up this idea in your mind that like it's you like a small task that you could get started on now becomes this like enormous impossible to start challenge because yeah. of things. So yeah, I guess like uh, um, what I've learned is to have uh, what's called a bias fraction. So like when I get an idea and I like you know and it feels right, like do some careful planning to see if it, you know if it fits with you know where I want to you know, what I want to be doing. And if it is, then, you know, take the first step and figure it out along the way rather than try to, you know, plan the entire thing in advance. Awesome. Yeah. And, um, when I was reading, I just remember when I first started reading your bio on advanced riskology, there was a lot of like similarities and how you, especially like, I love how you just started to do really simple kind of small things to get started with mm -hmm. adding some excitement to your life. And like you said, you started haggling with salesmen and playing music at bars and eventually <laughs> yep. sleeping on strangers floors while you backpack through europe right yeah all all these all these silly things yeah and do, you, do you think it's important for people to take small steps like this to spice up their life uh i think it's i think it's the only thing to do really like uh, people get stuck all the time like and i i do too even now um we think like we want something more uh, we want to do something we have this idea but we don't know how to start and um, the answer, of course, is always very simple. It's always start as small as you possibly can. Um, but um, it's, it's sometimes hard to conceptualize that. So what happens is we have this idea of this big thing that we want to do. And we don't know, like, it's too big. So, like, we don't know what to do. So we just kind of give up and, like, go back to whatever we were doing before. Uh, but the reason, why, uh, the reason why that happens is because it's too big. We need to, like, we need to, like cut it in half. You need to, like cut uh any anytime you have like this idea that you want to do that's too big like you just cut it in half until it's like it gets smaller and smaller you just divide by two yeah. until you get to like an action step that you can do like right now you know something that you don't have to wait for you don't need to call anybody you don't need anybody else's permission you don't need um you basically like all the all the responsibility falls on you to do it immediately right. like once you like kind of divide in half like enough times like you'll you'll get to something you can do like right now and that's that's gets the ball rolling awesome. so kind of like taking the the path of, of least resistance yeah exactly well. yeah but at the same like it's working your way into that kind of like big plan but uh but you need something yeah you need something easy to do right now to get the ball rolling to you know to get the motivation going to to keep doing it yeah totally yeah i don't think even had i not done some smaller things i don't think i ever would have worked up the courage for like bungee jumping and that kind of stuff as well yeah you build up to these things like you look at you see people all the time that have uh uh you know, that do these big, crazy things and like, because, or maybe you get introduced to someone who like does these things and like the only thing you think to yourself is like, wow, they're like, they must be fearless. Like, oh, they like, they've been doing like, because I see how they are now, like that must be how they had been forever. Yeah. Well, the fact of the matter often is that like, well, no, they started, they probably started much, much smaller and they've been building up their entire lives to where they are now. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say since beginning your journey into online business, what, what were uh, some of the biggest challenges you faced? Um, I guess in the beginning, in the very beginning, the biggest challenge I faced was, um, you know, self-doubt essentially is, you know, I'm going to build like I, before you have an audience to kind of like, because now like I can kind of create things and get an idea of like if something's going to work or not, because I have an audience that I can kind of yeah, yeah. ideas from before you have that, like, um, and before I had that, 
um, it was a lot of self-doubt. It was wondering if, you know, I'd done all of this, you know, internal work within myself to think like, yes, this is something that's going to provide value, but I didn't have a way to test it, uh, until I actually kind of launched it and got it out there. And that was very scary. Um, and, um, so I, that was probably the biggest, that was probably the biggest challenge just getting started is like, how do I, how do I know this is going to work? And the answer was I didn't. Yeah. So you, so you just started and hope for the best in a way. Well, it was kind of like, I look back on, and this is what I, uh, this is what I tell myself again and again. And I try to remind other people of when we talk about it. Um, so when you're, you're afraid that like, when you're afraid that you're going to fail at something, like, first of all, like worry, like I think it's Seth Godin who said it. Um, like worry is, uh, is just experiencing failure, like repeatedly in your head before actually having it, before actually giving your chance, giving yourself a chance to actually fail. Yeah. So it's like, like that kind makes of sense. It's a mindset of failure, like before you've even like given a shot to like given something a shot to fail. So like, I try to remind myself of that, but then <clears throat> at the same time, um, I try to, I try to also remember, um, you know, to psych myself up, I like to like kind of draw on experiences from my past where like I've been, where I've been scared before and things worked out okay. You know, like, um, you know, throughout your life, no matter how like good things go, like, uh, you'll always come into, you know, as long as you're growing and changing, you're always coming to a, um, a point in your life where you want to do something and you don't know if it's going to work. But like, uh, if you can look back on your past and say like, Oh, well here are like some other examples in my life where I faced, you know, that same challenge, you know, that smaller level, but I overcame it, right? Like you kind of yeah, yeah. encourage to believe in yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Just kind of, uh, drawing your past successes. Yeah. It's kind of like if you're succeed at one thing, then the second, the third and the fourth, and you just build up that snowball mm -hmm. effect. Right. And, uh, I mean, you've become a pretty a big part of, of World Domination Summit as well now. I'm just wondering, like, how did that, how did that come about? Yeah, um, that was kind of a bit happen chance, actually. Um, if that's a word. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> All right, it is now. Um, yeah, so for, for those who are listening who might not know, uh, the World Domination Summit is this uh, kind of conference that happens every year in Portland. It's uh, started by a friend of mine named Chris Gillibo, and the whole point of the conference is to bring people together in one place where we can all try to answer the question individually for ourselves, like, how do you live a remarkable life in a conventional world? And that answer is different for everybody. But how I got involved with that is it started in the conference or the summit started in 2011 was the first year, and I had just happened to be, um, uh, through Advanced Astrology, I had, uh, I had done some, um, some work for, uh, some paid work for, uh, Chris Gillibo. Um, and I did that for a little while and we worked together for a bit and then we didn't for a long time. Uh, and then once the, once he kind of got this idea for the world domination summit, he needed to build a team of people to kind of help him put it together because it was kind of, I think this was one of his first projects that he was kind of doing where, you know, he couldn't do it by himself. He needed a team of Right, yeah. together and I happened to be local and he knew me um, and I guess I, I assume trusting him <laughs> from the work we'd done before so he invited me to be part of the uh, what we call the action team which is basically the team that works on the conference year round awesome yeah how's that been going for you 
It's been going stupendously, really. I mean, it was 2011 with 500 people, and uh, we're going into our third year with 3,000. So, like, it's been growing exponentially every year. Um, I have never, uh, I have never. Um, I think I'm headed the wrong direction with that statement. What I meant to, what I mean <laughs> to say is like, <clears throat> I'm endlessly excited about it. Yeah. So, like, even like. As, it, as the as the conference scales up and becomes more and more work, like all of us on the team are taking on like putting in like a lot more effort, yeah. like doing a lot more work. Um, but I don't. Um, I'm super grateful for it. Like I'm like, it's it's wonderful. Like I've never been like I don't know if I've ever been happier than like when I am like when I'm working on that kind of stuff. I just feel like I'm a part of something that's much much bigger than me, and it's really fun to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's an amazing event, right? Everyone seems to to really love it. Yeah, and the attendees are all amazing. So like getting to like getting to like be a part of this thing that brings all of these people together is really fun. Awesome. And uh just recently you started a new business called uh Brew Pony. Brew Pony. And uh how did that how did that come about as well? Yeah, so Brew Pony is like it's connected to advanced Riscology, but like honestly it's a bit of a stretch. Um <clears throat> the idea for Brew Pony came from um, well, two sources basically. Number one, um, a lot of uh, like when when advanced Riscology readers would come through Portland, like they'd want to like lots of times they'd want to like meet up, have coffee or something, and I'd try to say yes as much as possible. And so we would go out to some like you know local um, Portland roaster and have a have a cup of coffee. And like eventually the conversation would always turn to like, oh, Portland coffee is so amazing. Like I'm sad that I can't have it. Like when I go home, like I'm gonna miss it. And after hearing that, like from people over and over and over and over again, I was kind of like, huh, I wonder, like, maybe somebody needs to like do something about this. Like maybe they can have it at home. Like what if somebody just like put together like the Portland coffee experience for, uh, for people to like subscribe to. And so that's where that was like the impetus for the idea. But then also, uh, I started the business with a, uh, with a friend of mine, uh, and he and I had kind of been looking for a project to work on together for a long time. And this was kind of the first time it made sense, um, the project just kind of aligned with at the right time in the right place for both of us. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a pretty awesome idea. You're shipping coffee over the U S right now, right? Yep. All over the country. Awesome. Yeah. And so did, did you do any research to kind of make sure it was like a viable business? Oh yeah. For yeah. Um, <clears throat> we definitely did. We, uh, number one, like we kind of, um, we looked at a number of different things, but the most important one was, uh, do businesses like this exist already and are they making money? And the answer was yes and yes. So like it kind of told us that like there was a market there already. There was a number of other, uh, <clears throat> there are a number of other options. There, there, so there are many, many um, businesses out there like ours, uh, except for that most of them uh, were built like 10 or 15 years ago and never evolved. So they're like, um, they're very unattractive to like the modern consumer. Right. And so we thought, well, we can, we can kind of do what they're doing, but do it better. Um, and then there were a number of other, and there's a couple other, um, a couple other companies that are doing something similar to us, but, um, uh, with a bit of a different, um, selling proposition from us. So like we're, we're focused specifically on Portland coffee and we're, right. uh, focused specifically on, on selling, um, enough, like basically shipping enough for you to like have enough for the rest of the month. So like we focus on like Portland coffee experience and like never having to go to the, the grocery store to buy coffee again. Cool. Yeah. Kind so, of, and what were some of the, 
the steps involved for getting it off the ground? Right. Oh, yeah. Um, well, first of all, we had to make sure that we were going to be able to get uh, for the. So this is the first time I've ever worked with a physical product. Like most of the other, right. you know, business projects I've run before have been, you know, online, digitally based. Um, we had to make sure that we were going to be able to get, um, you know, that we we're going to be able to get the coffee that we wanted for the price that we needed to get it for to make it an attractive offer to people. And so we kind of we kind of picked what we thought like we kind of mapped out what we what our service was going to be and what we thought people would would pay for it. Um, what we thought like what, what what we kind of thought what the value of the service was, and then worked backwards from there. And we said like all right, so in order to serve in order to sell the coffee for this much, which is how much we want to sell it for, like we need to be able to ship it for this much, we need to we need to be able to buy it for this much, and like whatever other incidental costs come along. Um, I guess I'll fit under that umbrella and still, you know, bring in enough money to like make us money at the end of the day. And so that was that was most of the steps was figuring that process out, going and talking to roasters, um, learning all about the U.S. Uh, UP, USPS uh, shipping system, all that yeah. kind of. I think that that's probably like one of the trickiest parts too, is probably uh, shipping. It can be. It's we actually we came up with a pretty simple and elegant solution after, but it took a lot of searching to find it. Right. And did you, um, so for the, for the marketing, was it mainly just through your blog? So that's how we jump-started it for okay, sure. Cool. Um, we jump-started it by, um, by kind of pitching each of us has, uh, has an audience kind of in a different space. So I have like this, this audience of like risk takers and people who know, uh, me and advanced riskology and they're kind of into like discovery and trying new things. And many of those people are of course coffee drinkers. And then my partner, Jonathan is from the tech world and he's very, embedded in a number of different organizations there cool. and um so he has this um contingency of tech people and they all drink tons of coffee yeah. and have plenty of disposable income so like it was it was kind of a match made in heaven like we brought it together and and kind of went to to get the company started we went and kind of sold specifically to those audiences and now we're kind of moving beyond that yeah that's awesome there's like there's something almost uh like romantic now about having a physical product right in an online world yep yeah, it's uh, it's something that's very uh, it's tangible. There's just something special about a tangible thing that you hold in your hand and like exchange for money. It's just yeah, it's very cool. Not any, it's not any more or less valuable than anything else, but like True. there's just this feeling that comes with it that's different. Yeah, I think so too. It's great. So it's been like quite the journey since you first decided to to jump into entrepreneurship and, and writing. Yeah, writing you, uh, directions. Taking that risk to leave your profession, or I guess. It was kind of a, you were laid off, right? But it ended up being a good thing. No way. Matt, you, you broke up there for a second. I missed your last. Uh... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just saying, um, yeah, since you, you jumped into entrepreneurship and writing, <clears throat> and I was saying you, you took the risk of leaving your profession kind of mm -hmm. for good, the one that you, you studied for in university. And so I was wondering, like now, if you could give your past self some advice what would it be you think yeah <laughs> if i'd known if i'd known then what i know now um there's so many like there's so yeah, many things i would what was let's see what's one that's like really important i think one like honestly as simple and kind of dumb as it is is like just get started like do the you know do the divide by two process that's been like the most helpful most important thing to me ever is uh 
is being is figuring out how to take a big idea and break it in half until I have something that I can actually do right now. Yeah. That's yeah. uh that's my number one. So like that's my number one piece of advice is like like learn how to like learn how to like take an overwhelming thing and make it a small, you know, make it a small step forward. Totally. I think my advice would be to wear sunscreen when skiing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think remember you're in 10 years, you're going to be skiing. You're going to, you're going to forget your son's <laughs> Remember to bring a map. I was actually, I just had uh, one more question, but before that, I was just, just thinking of something. Now, I was just wondering, when you first started out, was your like objective of entrepreneurship to, to, um, to, to be like a digital nomad or location independent? Or was it just, was, was it not really about that? I didn't have a clue yeah. what I wanted. So I've been doing, uh, I've been doing um, um, some type of entrepreneurial thing, you know, some type of little project um, since I was about 16 or so. And I've had little, you know, tiny little businesses that I kind of started and stopped whenever I needed the money and didn't need the money uh, in between jobs or like even during jobs a lot. Um, <clears throat> And when, when I kind of finally made the, the full-time leap into, uh, into self-employment, uh, really the only, the only goal was to, like, number one, like, make a difference. And number two, like, make sure making a difference, like, pays the rent. Like, that's the only thing I cared about. And, like, along the way, like, I also, like, you know, made some decisions about how to structure the business so that, like, it would, you know, the things that I were doing would, would make – I would hopefully make sure, like, I was happy – you know, I was always, I was always happy doing them, but yeah. like from, from the get go, like I didn't, I didn't put a lot of limitations on myself. I just kind of said, all right, like just do things like that you think will like, like that people will care about and like try to figure out how to do them in a way that like they'll pay you for. Yeah. it's a good point. Yeah. Those are, those are the only qualifications I, I made for myself. Yeah. Cause even, even lately I've been kind of thinking like it, it'd probably be a smart decision if some people were to think of their lifestyle first, like the kind of lifestyle they want to have and then maybe find the proper job or business to. Yeah. That's a good, it's a good way to go. But also like, I'm also like a little bit, I also try to be a little bit careful with that kind of advice. Yeah. Cause like one, one thing that I feel like gets missed a lot is people will say like, oh, well, I want to like, I want to live this lifestyle and I want to have, I want to have this business and I want to do these things and this thing. I want to make this product and do that service. And, um, a lot of times what gets missed is like where anybody else gets value out of it and they end yeah. up having, you know, a business that doesn't make any money because they forget to, they forget to think of the customer. You yeah, know? that's true. <laughs> I always say like, yeah, like think about like, you know, you definitely want to think about the life that you want to have, like how you want to live. Like, but at the same time, like, also, like, just as important is, like, think of the customer. Like, who are you going to serve that's going to give you that lifestyle? And how are you going to do that in a way that, like, they're going to actually pay you for? Right. Yeah, that's good advice. Mm -hmm. Is my video frozen for you? Or is no, it just it's, on not, my... it's not frozen, but it's doing, like, this little, like, repeated loop back for me, like, where you're, like, smiling super wide and, like, yeah. not... Yeah, it looks it's... very creepy, like the Joker <laughs> or something. <laughs> it's one of the scariest things I've ever saw. It's kind of distracting me right now. <laughs> So um, I guess since uh, both of us really are big on taking, taking risks to, to get more out of life, just wondering, like, what, what advice would you give someone who's listening to this interview who's, like, aching to do something different with their life but, but, but they're scared? Yeah. 
what's the like what would what's the one thing I would tell them? Yeah, just kind of like if they're 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 listening to this and they're thinking of uh, you know maybe traveling the world or just thinking of quitting their job and doing something or or a new job anything like that. But they're or maybe it's even smaller things like what we did. Maybe it's just a public speaking course or something sure. like that to to get yeah. out of their comfort zone. Risk exists on many levels. Yeah, exactly. I would like well one thing you know I kind of I've kind of hammered home the. Uh, the divide by two, yeah, <laughs> over and over again, and I'm gonna go back to that one again because that's the one. But also, like one thing that helped me a lot uh, was looking to um, looking to other people who had success uh, doing the things that I wanted to do, and uh, you know, just as you know, just as kind of proof that it could be done, you know. Yeah. And you know, if you at the same time, like you want to be, like you want to do something unique, right? Like you don't want to just copy somebody. Um, so if you have like, you know, if you want to, if you want to do something really interesting, like you're not going to necessarily find someone who's done exactly what you've done and find a perfect, uh, you know, find a perfect formula for success from it because, you know, then it wouldn't be a risk, right? Then it wouldn't be risk taking. You'd have a, you'd had a path laid out in front of you. But uh, looking for, you know, some uh, role models, I guess, you know, people that have embodied different things about what you want to do, like maybe different little pieces of it that uh, that you can look up to and you can see and you can say like oh well this person you know had a lot of success doing this project and like kind of here are some of the here's what i think some of the important things that they did that made that uh, that made that work um doing that for you know having a couple people like that that you can look up to and kind of see how they they got to where they were that's that was really helpful for me it's kind of in building my own my own path yeah i think it's kind of a it's pretty amazing too if you reach out to to connect with people like that how how open most people are. No, it's true. A lot of people, yeah, yeah. It's uh, most most people are a lot easier to connect with than uh, you first assume. At least for me, like I used to think that like no one would ever like reply to an email if I sent one. Like, why would I ever like bother this person? But it turns out like once I started actually doing it, I was like, oh, I can like email just about anybody. And, like, yeah, all right, <laughs> pretty cool. And I find like once you start hanging around with, you know, if you wanted to, to run marathons maybe and you're nervous or it seems so out of, out of place for you, I just find once you start hanging around with people or at least talking to people who do that kind of thing, it doesn't seem as far-fetched anymore. No, absolutely. Like you kind of take on that personality. Like you, you almost force yourself to become the person that you, like you take on the mentality of the person that you want to become, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh... That's all my questions, Tyler. So, like, thanks a lot for for coming on the show. It was great having you. You bet, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. And good well. luck with uh, with Brew Pony, of course, and and Advanced Whiskology. And uh, I'll see you at World Domination Summit in two months, I guess. Right. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you in the summer. Awesome. All right, man. Have a good evening. Bye bye. Bye. All right. Well, that's it for the interview, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to see more from Tyler, you can visit his site at advancedriscology.com and his new business, brewpony.com. So if you're living in the U.S. and you want some amazing Portland coffee shipped right to your door, visit his site and he'll set you up. Otherwise, I hope to see some of you at World Domination Summit. Please leave a review on iTunes. Only five stars accepted. I'm just kidding. But yeah, it'd be awesome if you could leave a review and stop by livelimitless.net and say hi. I'd love to hear from you. Have yourselves a great day.